Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Today we will return to the chapter that we considered last Lord's Day. And I'd like to read again the verses that we covered last time to give us context and to remind us of the elements that we looked at before. So today we'll read Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through the end of the chapter, through verse 28. Please follow along in your copy of Scripture as I read. This is the Word of God. In Lystra, a man was sitting whose feet were incapacitated. He had been disabled from his mother's womb and had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke. Paul looked at him intently and saw that he had faith to be made well. And he said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And the man leaped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. Can I pause right there? I meant to put this in last week's sermon and then I didn't put it in this week's sermon. It, it is amazing how many times false teaching, false doctrine, in this case, pagan teaching, comes really close. But not quite. They believed that the gods had become like men in the likeness of men. Praise God, the truth of Scripture is that the second person of the Trinity, God, Jesus Christ, became a man. He didn't just look like a man. He took to himself a true body and a reasonable soul. He became our brother in humanity without ceasing to be God. So he is the God-man. But he doesn't just look like a man. He is a man. Just like us, except for sin. No sin. Okay, I just want to say that. It gets me, gets me revved up. I don't know what it does for you. Verse 12, And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, since he was the chief speaker. Moreover, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard about it, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd crying and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you, preaching the gospel to you to turn from these useless things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. In past generations, he permitted all the nations to go their way, yet he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your heart with food and gladness. And even by saying these things only with difficulty, did they restrain the crowds from offering sacrifices to them? Verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. That would be Pisidian Antioch and Iconium. And having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. 
thinking that he was dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. And after they had preached, uh, after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made a good number of disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, It is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they entrusted them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been entrusted to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. When they arrived and, uh, and, the gathered, uh, and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. Let's bow our heads together and ask God's blessing on our time in this passage. Heavenly Father, we come to you indeed asking your blessing on your word. We pray that through your word, through your truth, you would sanctify your people. God, prepare us for the difficulties of walking through this world as disciples of Christ. Enable us to serve our Savior and to advance the kingdom. We ask that you would draw sinners to repentance even today. Father, bless the preaching of the word and hide this preacher behind the cross. It is in Christ's strong and precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Last time we considered the earlier verses where Paul and Barnabas were in Lystra where they healed a crippled man and then the people started to worship them as gods thinking that Zeus and Hermes had become uh, had come down in the form of men and today we continue to follow Paul and Barnabas in this same area they have not left the area yet in the text that we take up beginning in like verse 19 uh, but there are a couple of things that I want us to note while we're in this section, they're not explicitly stated in this text, but, but we get them from other parts of scripture and from extra biblical stuff. Uh, you might even see, and I'm not saying turn there now, but you might even see some of the things that we'll talk about in the maps, in the back of your Bible. Sometimes you wonder why they printed that. They just had extra paper and they needed to put something. So let's throw some maps in there. Now it, it helps us as we see uh, the locations and as we see where things are. So firstly, I would like to talk about this area, this area that we've been talking about for the past several weeks, Pisidian Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. All of these cities are in a region and this region is Galatia, Galatia. So we can make a connection in our minds to the, from this passage to the New Testament book of Galatians that Paul wrote. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the Galatian churches. And as Paul wrote this letter, it was sent and distributed among the churches in these cities, 
the city of Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby. This letter of Galatians was distributed there of these churches that Paul and Barnabas planted on their first missionary journey, which is what we have been talking about as we've studied through this text. So this is the first thing to note. There, there's no great lesson here. I have no application uh, as to just telling us that this is the Galatian region. But we are helped as we read Galatians and as we read this text to see uh, that this is the same people and that this, that's what we're talking about here. Secondly, and it's, it's along the same lines as far as being a help to, uh, for us to understand as we read other parts of Scripture, the city of Lystra, where Paul came and healed this crippled man, where Paul and Barnabas were, were taken to be gods and worshipped, uh, where we have just read that Paul was stoned and left for dead, this city of Lystra is the hometown of Timothy. Timothy is from Lystra. So in the book of Timothy, when Paul mentions uh, Eunice and Lois, Timothy's mother and grandmother, and he mentions his family, and, and from, from your youth, from your childhood, you have been told and taught the things of Christ from Eunice and Lois. It's those people who were likely here in this crowd they likely heard Paul preach about Jesus. Timothy may have even been in this crowd, though if he were there, he would have been at least a small child or an infant, or he might have been unborn. But, but this is Timothy's hometown. So we keep this in mind that it is those Galatians that we know about from the study of the epistle. They would come to know Christ. They would come in repentant faith to Jesus, they were in this crowd. It was Timothy's father and mother and grandmother who were there when Paul and Barnabas came, when the crippled man was healed, when Paul was stoned. And it was their same culture, their same upbringing, the, the, the same teaching that led them and the false priests to worship Paul and Barnabas, this pagan religion that had dominated their culture was their default position. They knew nothing of worshiping the one true and living God. They knew nothing of Jehovah. So for every one of us, Gentiles according to the flesh, but saved by the grace of God, let us remember that paganism is our history. If God had not sent the gospel by preachers like Paul and Barnabas, then we would know nothing but polytheism, paganism. And if God were to remove the preaching of the gospel from the world, then polytheism and paganism would once again rise up. Worshipping of false gods fashioned by men. Fashioned by men and then worshipped by men. It is a common grace. The common grace of God to all people. That heathen men have heard of Jehovah. 
that we know of anything of Jesus Christ. And last week I made a statement about the stubbornness of sinful men based on the last phrase in verse 18. It says, and even by saying these things, only with difficulty did they restrain the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. Verse 18, we find Paul and Barnabas barely able to restrain the people who wanted to deify them, to make them to be gods and worship them as gods. So we saw the stubbornness of sinful men. But in verse 19, the very next verse, and, and we don't get the idea that from verse 18 to verse 19, a lot of time has passed. Maybe it's the next day, but maybe it's the same day, but it wasn't long. The same crowd who wanted to deify Paul and Barnabas and worship them as gods, that same crowd stones Paul, stones him. Here we find the fickle nature of sinful men. They go from praising to killing in an instant. From, if you like alliteration, from flattery to flinging rocks. In an instant, just very quick, without missing a beat, they turn on a dime. But they had some help. The text tells us the Jews came. Paul and Barnabas had a habit in their ministry of going first to the synagogue to preach and then to the Gentiles. But in Lystra, there's no mention of a stop at the synagogue. There's no mention of a synagogue at all. And this is probably because there was not a synagogue in Lystra at this time. Lystra was only 20 miles from Iconium. Remember that in Iconium, there was a plot to stone Paul and Barnabas. But they heard of the plot and they left town quickly so that they did not fall victim to that plot to kill them. Iconium had a synagogue and Jews from Iconia and from Pisidian Antioch came to Lystra as instigators. They stirred up the crowd against the apostles. They said, no, these men are not gods. They are enemies of God. We should, we should do the gods a service and kill them. They stirred up the crowd to stone Paul. The Jews that came must have been emboldened because they were in a pagan city. In Jerusalem, they would be concerned about doing everything just so. That's what we see when Stephen was stoned. They didn't stone him in the streets of the city. They took him out of the city. That they would not defile the city in that way. But they have no respect for this city of Lystra. They just stoned Paul in the streets. Some believe that the Lysterians, I don't know if that's a word I made that up, Lystrians, may have practiced uh, this, this act of stoning and may have had a practice of dragging criminals through the streets as an example and as a, as a humiliation for those 
who were stoned. Then they would dump their dead body outside of the city for scavengers and animals to take care of. And this certainly seems to fit with what happened with Paul here. He was stoned in the city, then dragged out of the city and dumped for dead. Now we're not told exactly. We're told that he was dumped and they believed him to be dead. There's two things that can happen here. He could be not dead and they believed him to be dead. Or he could be dead and they believed him to be dead. And we're not told exactly what happens here. But many believe that Paul did actually die at this time. That he was stoned, which is an act of killing. And he was dumped for dead. He was left for dead because he was dead. Later, in Paul's writing to the second to the Corinthians, not to the second Corinthians, or just the Corinthians, but he wrote in Second Corinthians, this this uh, Boy, you can confuse the matter worse. 2 Corinthians, which is like the fourth letter uh, to the Corinthians. Uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians and he mentioned a man. He said this, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up into the third heaven. And some believe that this man is Paul and apparently he himself did not know if he was dead or if he was alive and in some sort of a comatic trance. Some think this is the account of Paul being killed by stoning and then raised from the dead by God. I have no cause to not believe that. Perhaps Paul was dead. Perhaps he was not. That is not for us to consider. What we do know is that whatever happened was a miracle. It was a miracle. Imagine if Paul did not die, but he was stoned and left for dead. Think of the injuries that he would have had. Broken bones, bruises, lacerations. Think of how much time would have been needed in the normal course of things for healing of all those injuries. For him to be able to get up and walk around and especially for him to be able to take a journey. As the Christians stood around him in verse 20, they stood around Morning, perhaps they thought him dead. Perhaps they stood around praying. But they stood around him, verse 20 says, and he got up. Now this is a miracle. What's more, the very next day, Paul and Barnabas set out on a journey walking 60 miles to Derby. Now either Paul was raised from the dead and his body was healed or he was not dead and his body was healed miraculously. Either way, it's a miracle. Take note now of the tenacity of Paul. He gets up. What would you do? I mean, put yourself in his place. You were just stoned and left for dead. 
Those people in Lister don't like you very much. They, they, are, not, they are not on your um, pep squad. Do you, having just been stoned and left for dead, did you leave anything in Lister you need? I think I'd be saying that. There's nothing back there that I can't replace. I, I don't need to go back to that place. But, but not Paul. Paul doesn't think like that. He goes back into town just what seems like minutes after he was dragged out of town and left for dead. And now some have suggested that maybe the guy that they thought was dead, they would not uh, take to killing him a second time that day. <laughs> that maybe he had a little bit of time uh, for that. But, but he goes back into town and then he goes to Derby. But we just have him in Derby for a very short time and then he's back in Lystra. This is tenacious. This is amazing. Let's, let's stop here and see as Paul is stoned and then he gets up and then he keeps going. Let's take note of a couple of things here that will help us. First, they couldn't kill Paul. Don't think they stopped short. They left him for dead because they thought he was dead because they were trying to kill him. They didn't stop short. What well, guys, if we go any further, we're going to kill him. No, they, in their minds, have killed him. But they couldn't kill him. I mean, maybe they killed him and he was raised, or maybe they didn't kill him, but the point is, he got up. Now, Christians, how often do we worry about things that can harm us? Things that can kill us, things that can make us sick, things that can cause injury. Sometimes we spend a great deal of effort fretting over what might happen. Especially as we've spent the last year or so dealing with a worldwide pandemic. So many have lived in fear and many are still living in fear today. It seems that the question for most people is not, are you in fear? It is, do you fear the virus more or the vaccine more? But we live in fear. Listen, I'm not saying that we should act unwisely. Throw caution to the wind and whatever. No, we should not act unwisely. We should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But when we act wisely, as wisely as we can, we still don't have a guarantee that our actions will help and sometimes our actions, even when we're trying to act wisely, bring harm. We have no guarantee. Now, when it comes to dealing with the current pandemic, but this applies to many, many things in life. I, I, I'm not trying in this sermon to make a case for vaccine or anti-vaccine. I am making a case that you should do 
your duty to exercise as much wisdom as you can and then trust God. That's the point. Trust God. Trust God because like Paul, they could not kill him because God didn't allow it. And harm cannot befall you without God's sovereign decree. These people at Lystra, they were not stupid. They, they knew how to stone a person. They knew how to tell if a man was dead. Maybe they were not thorough. But they stoned this man to death. And God said no. It's not time for Paul to die. Your effort to take his life will not be successful. Later, Paul was concerned that he would be killed. He mentions if I am to be killed and he was not. Another time, and we'll get to it in our study in Acts, Paul is bitten by a deadly poisonous snake. And everybody's kind of standing around waiting because what happens is this guy's fixing to drop dead. And he didn't drop dead. I, not too long ago, I shared this story with someone and I'll share it with all of you now. I grew up with a, with a boy, I, I knew he was a little older than me, who decided to take his own life with a gun. Now you just think about that. He was unsuccessful because God said it's not time. They couldn't kill Paul. It was not his time to die. And Christian, you can have confidence in God. You cannot get sick without God's permission. Now, now, don't be stupid. Be smart. But trust in God. Don't trust in your own smart. Trust God. Don't trust a mask. Don't trust sanitizer. Don't trust a vaccine. If you decide to do all of those things, trust in God. Now, trust is in the Lord. God uses means. And God may use masks, sanitizers, vaccines, medications, surgeries, doctors, nurses. God uses things like this to accomplish His will. But our trust, our hope is in Him not in these things. Now this does not mean as we trust in God that we won't be stoned. Paul was stoned. Paul was stoned. Later he says, uh, again in 2 Corinthians, I was three times beaten, stoned, three times shipwrecked, in peril from rivers, robbers, Jews, Gentiles, 
in peril in the city, in peril in the country. I spent time cold and naked. And we believe a lot of what he was talking about when he said those things was from this first missionary journey. Some of the things, especially about being stoned in Lystra, this is, this is what he's speaking of. Paul endured some hardships from some very difficult times. But the point is that he endured them. God carried him through all of these things. And these things didn't kill him. They were not able to kill him. They could not kill him because God was in control of Paul's life. And Christian, God is in control in your life and in mine. Let us allow the hard things that come and the fear that is unavoidable, the weakness in us, let us allow these things to drive us to Christ. I am weak, so I trust in His strength. I, I dread what I don't know, what is beyond my knowledge, so I pray to the One who knows all things. I seek comfort in Him. I fear the things that are out of my control. So I go to the one who is in control of everything. I am still weak. I still fear. I still fret and worry. So I have to continually preach these things to myself. And so do you. Yeah. I have to say, Todd, you're not in control. God is. Do you remind yourself of that when you're freaking out? When anxiety is coming upon you? When fear grips you? Todd, you're not in control. God is. Todd, you're afraid, but God is your shelter. He is your high tower. He is your stronghold. He is your rock. He is your fortress. He is your father. You worry about things. Cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. It's not just the preacher who preaches. You have to preach to yourself. If you don't preach the truth of Scripture to yourself, Satan will preach something to you. He'll come and tell you some things. They'll be lies. Preach to yourself. Preach to yourself about Paul. They could not kill Paul. Because God was in control of Paul's life and death. And remind yourself that God is in control of your life and death. We don't abandon good sense. We don't abandon good practice. But our trust, our hope, our confidence is in the Lord. They couldn't kill Paul. Secondly, Paul didn't stop. Because the job wasn't finished. Paul didn't stop. Sometimes we are easily discouraged. I think if I had been stoned and left for dead, I would feel like maybe I want to quit. Maybe that, maybe that would be my last day. I'm going home, maybe. 
I'm reminded, and this is not my notes, so be gracious. I'm reminded of when Jesus was crucified and dead and buried, that Peter was discouraged and ready to quit. You remember what he said? I'm going fishing. I'm out of here. I'm going fishing. But Jesus rose from the dead. And after that, Peter didn't say, I'm going fishing. Jesus rose from the dead. Peter saw the resurrected Christ and he wasn't quitting. And the apostle Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he was stoned and he didn't quit. I've seen the resurrected Christ. We may be discouraged, but sometimes we have to shake the dust off of our feet like we saw Paul and Barnabas do in Pisidian. Sometimes we have to get out of the way before we get hurt like we saw Paul do in Iconium. And sometimes we have to get up from being stoned and left for dead like Paul did here in Lystra. But Paul didn't stop because the task was not complete. And Christians, we can't stop either. The commission of our Lord and Savior that Paul set out to do, we're still doing. We're not apostles, but we're still doing. As long as we have breath, there's something for us to do. As long as Christ's church is here, there's something for us to do. There's worship to be offered in the house of God. There's prayer to be prayed for the work and for God's people. There's work to be done in service to the kingdom. Paul didn't quit. In church, we can't quit either. When we're discouraged, we got to get up. And we got to go to Derby. We consider that Paul cannot be killed, that we should trust in God for our life and death. And we consider that Paul didn't quit, and that we must stay to the work of the kingdom. But there's one last thing for us to consider this morning. Let's read again from verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking that he was dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. Verse 21. And after they had preached the gospel to that city and made a good number of disciples, again, here we see gospel success in Derby. They preached the gospel, a good number of disciples. We can wonder... We can wonder if Paul's post-stoning appearance might have had something to do with or some effect on ministry here. Like Jonah, fresh from the belly of the fish, preached to the Ninevites. Here, Paul, fresh from at least the brink of death, preaches in Derby, and a good number were converted. Verse 21 continues, they, they returned from Lystra to Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. This is follow-up. This is follow-up. They, they didn't just have a crusade. Crusade comes through town and then say, well, we've got a bunch of converts. Let's just leave them to their own. 
later when you look at your map, notice they sailed from Antioch. And I'm doing this in my perspective, so it's backwards for y'all. They sailed from Antioch to Cyprus. Then they got back to the mainland. They went to the city in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby. Have you seen what happens? They Look, they're at Derby. But they started in Antioch. They are closer to home than they have been since they left. You know what someone might suggest? Well, let's just take the land route. It's right there. We're almost home. Nope. We are going to go back to every city that we have been to. We are going to go back and strengthen the souls. Strengthen the souls of the disciples and encourage them. They came back and, and in verse 23 it says they appointed elders at every church. Now I know that Brother Matt just had us in tenses in Sunday school. Here we're going to look at singular and plural nouns. It's just we're just doing grammar today, right? We're going to look at singular and plural nouns at each church. Singular. They appointed elders, plural. Not an elder for each church, but elders. For each church. And this is one verse where we find the biblical principle of plural eldership in the church. It's not the only place, but this is one place where we can see plural eldership. But they come back through strengthening the souls, appointing elders at every church. And the point here is that no Christian is left without a church. There's no there's no Lone Ranger Christian in the Bible. Now we see it in our day, don't we? I'm not really a part of the church. I'm just, just a follower of Jesus, but I'm not a part of the church. That is foreign thinking when it comes to the New Testament. No Christian was without a church. There's a church for every Christian and every Christian in a church. That's the biblical idea, the biblical principle. But I want us to see as they come back through, they're doing this work of planting churches, what they taught specifically in verse 22. They're strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, it is through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. It is through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Let me just say here that some people believe it is through tribulation that we enter the kingdom of God. And what they mean by that is, if you suffer on earth in your lifetime, you will go to heaven. I've heard people in my life say that. Boy, you know Miss Jones is going to be in heaven because she's had such a hard life here. Some people believe that. Does that fit? With scripture? Does that fit with it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves? It is the gift of God through Jesus Christ. Does that fit to say that if we have a hard life here, we earn our way to heaven? No. So that's not what they're saying. When they teach here, it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. That is not what is being taught. 
So we see in our day that teaching of if you have a hard life, you can go to heaven. But we see another false teaching that arises. I, I read this on a so-called Christian ministry website. Accept Jesus as your... Well, we don't like that terminology right there. Anyway, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and let Him take charge of your life and watch as He solves all your problems in a way that will surprise, amaze, and delight you. Don't you want to sign up for that? And if it was true, it would be a pretty good sales pitch. The problem is it's not true. This is a false gospel that is preached all around the world, all around us. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And what do many people say? That is amazing. I also love me. And I also have a great plan for my life. Let's see how Jesus can enhance my plan. Now that's what's preached so many places. That's what people believe that, that you come to Jesus Christ and all the problems are gone. Paul, Paul and Barnabas come and they teach something different. I have one more thing in my notes. If you have Jeremiah 29 11 plastered in your house, that's okay. Don't take it down. Just know the truth of what it means. Jeremiah 29 11, that verse that so many people claim. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And they hold on to that and they say, see, God's going to solve all my problems. Everything's going to be sunshine and roses from here on out. God said that to Israel. And then they entered into captivity for 400 years. We got to know what, what did he mean by that? What is this? There is a Jesus being preached who is the Mr. Fix it for your life. There's someone out there saying that God is going to make your life happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. Friend, that is not the God of the Bible. That is not Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Paul was stoned and left for dead. And that's just one thing in the list. Jesus made some promises. They're not verses of scripture that are very well known, but they are promises from our Lord Jesus to his disciples, to his people, to those who follow him. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you'll have trouble. That's a promise. He promised this. The world hated me. They're going to hate you. This is, this is the Jesus of Scripture. And Paul comes to these new churches and he teaches, he preaches, encouraging them, strengthening them. He says, remember yesterday when you saw me left for dead? The good news is I'm not dead. I'm back today. The bad news is the trouble is not over. It's not over. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is not a luxury cruise. This is not a playground. It's a battleground. 
It is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. We, the members of the kingdom of God, by grace, through faith, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we will enter the kingdom of the eternal kingdom in heaven. But it is through tribulation. Well, that's not what the text says. Because look, it doesn't say through tribulation. That tribulation has an S on it. We're back to plurals. It's through tribulations. So don't just have a tribulation and think, well, that's over. And tribulations, plural, is not even enough. It says many tribulations. Christian brother, Christian sister, if someone promised you a life of ease as a follower of Jesus, they lied to you. If you were expecting a soft life following Christ and you are a true follower of Jesus, buckle up. We are in for many tribulations. Now, not every Christian is given the same tribulations. Not every Christian is given the same number of tribulations. Scripture promises us that God will not put on us more than we can bear. And that He is with us through our tribulations. So don't look at your brother or your sister and think you're going to get the same thing they got. You may have it better. You may have it worse. God has given you what you need for your good and for His glory. Now trouble, trouble is common in the world for all people. Nobody escapes trouble in the world. Believers, unbelievers, everybody has trouble. But the people of God are promised that we will have many troubles. But when we have troubles, God carries us. That's a comfort. Just, just ask yourself, would you rather walk through life trouble-free without God or with the troubles that He brings to your life and Him carrying you through? Now, I know in the moment we may say, I don't want the trouble. But if we were as wise as God, we would want exactly what he does. Church, we, we cannot seek peace and comfort and agreement with the world. Think, think of what Paul could have done to avoid being stoned if he had just said, well, hold on, let's, let's talk about this thing. Let's see what common ground we have. He, he didn't seek peace and comfort and compromise with the world. And we cannot, church, seek peace and comfort and agreement with the world. We dare not trade the treasures of biblical truth for worthless compromise of what will become a Christless religion. 
Because that's the only that's the only compromise the world will put up with. So we're reminded today from this text, church, we cannot be stopped. We cannot be killed because God is in control. We must not be discouraged. We must not stop kingdom work because the work is not done. And we must grace for many tribulations. Trusting Christ, our champion, to carry us to the eternal kingdom. Isn't it a blessing that God has given us churches where we can come together and bear one another's burdens and help one another as we face these tribulations? Let's pray. Father, we ask that you apply these things to our heart. That the words that Paul spoke to strengthen the souls of believers in Lystra would today strengthen the souls of believers in Waco. Strengthen your people. Edify and fortify your church. Make us a trophy of your grace, an example of your goodness. Make us a reflection of your glory, we ask. In Christ's name.